This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. A series entitled Amen, and the message is called Too Small, okay? Too small. Somebody wondered if I went on their Facebook and got this picture. All right, let's read Isaiah chapter 10, uh, verse number 27. I'm going to read it, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this message today. Isaiah 10, 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, okay, and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke, notice this, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your presence. I thank you for the word that Pastor Danny brought to us, Father, because it will bring increase into our lives, Father. I thank you for the freedom of obeying you and walking in your promises. Lord, now I know that there are people gathered here, there are people listening, there are people watching who are a part of what you have ordained for this word to settle into our lives. God, let our inability get out of the way and your ability run into where we are. For in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Lord, speak to us through your scripture now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. When I read a scripture like Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 to you that says that the yoke shall be broken off of them because of the anointing oil, you are kind to look and to, to uh, act like you kind of get what that's saying. But I just want to be honest with you, most seminary students don't have a clue really what that's saying. In this series that we're beginning today, we're beginning this series uh, called Amen. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about some uh, statements and some truths that we hear a lot around our church here at War Hill. Things that we say a good bit. You know, many people will even call me, they'll say, oh, uh, we, we heard you on, on the radio broadcast, you're that amen preacher. Can I get an amen? Uh, uh, and, and can I get an amen? And see, so the reality is I don't think that most of us understand exactly why we're even saying that word. We know that that's how you end a prayer. We know that that's how you say something in agreement in church. But what does the word amen even mean? So the reason we chose that as our title is it's very simple to answer that question. But there's a lot of things we say in church that we really don't understand what they mean. And so when I say that phrase, amen, what, what's really being said is I'm saying, uh, let it be so. What I'm really saying is, may what we just prayed uh, come to reality. May what I just heard in Scripture become a part of my own life. So when I preach a message that, or a, a statement that says that, that, let's just say one of these statements, he that the sun sets free is free indeed. And you say, amen. you're saying, I want that kind of freedom in my life. That's what amen means at that moment. Okay. And so we're, we're going to learn what some of these phrases mean because we don't always understand them. Now, our first phrase that we're going to talk about in this series is one that I say excessively. And so we decided to start here. And this phrase is this. The anointing breaks the bondage of sin. The anointing, but let me just practice with you. The anointing breaks the bondage of sin. Amen. And so why are we saying, let that be so in my life? 
Now, I say that a good bit, but I fear that most of us don't understand that. And I want to come back around to that. But for just a moment, I need to take a necessary sidetrack so you'll understand how we're going to close this up at the end. You know, when we're talking about our lives, we're talking about where we are in our lives, people will many times that haven't seen you in a while or or maybe somebody you're meeting, I've found there's one common phrase that people say, and I, I really don't understand why they say this so much, but people say this phrase a good bit. They'll say this. They'll say, well, when I graduated high school, I weighed this much. I don't want to hear you bragging. Come on now, amen. But what we also say is, uh, I hear this more than that. I hear it said, when I got married, I weighed this much. This is how much I weighed when I got married. I was keeping my suit from my wedding, hoping that maybe on some significant uh, anniversary, I might put it on again. And just recently, I said, that would be as great a miracle as God reparting the Red Sea. Come on now, amen. And so I decided that probably was a wasteful thing to keep. You know, I, I'd love to be able to do that someday, come out in the outfit that I left our, our wedding in and, and, and say, you know what, I'm still there, baby. But, but I've got to tell you, the reality is, honey, this is all your fault. <laughs> you see, the reason that I'm saying that is when you get married, there's a reason why people always take it back to when they got married, Okay. Because I understand that I'm 100% responsible for my caloric intake. But immediately after our wedding, I started packing on the pounds. I always joke and say I gained 15 pounds on the honeymoon. And it's easy to say that's because you were happy or you were satisfied in life. But the reality is this, that on average, I want you to get this, on average during the first five years of marriage, most couples gain a collective 50 pounds. On average, a collective 50 pounds in the first. Some of you are saying, thank God we're not there. Some of you are saying, oh God, we are above average. Come on now, amen. (laughs) So the question is, why does this happen? Why does this occur? As I was studying this and doing research on this, I I found out that, that there are many reasons, of course, why we gain weight, but there are two main most common reasons. The two main most common reasons are not to blame your spouse, but are the result of you having a spouse, okay? That's why I said you're responsible for all this. You see, what happens is, as you become more comfortable with the person that you have married, as you begin to relax, that edge begins to come off of why you were trying to keep yourself in shape and attractive to the opposite sex. And so as your comfort level increases, that that drive begins to shift. And that's a partial reason. But the main reason, the main reason that you gain weight after you get married, and I thought this was extremely significant to this message today, is that you gain weight, uh, and, and I I looked at multiple resources, but I'm going to quote Livestrong.com that the reason you gain weight after you marry is because you begin to eat. Listen to this carefully. You begin to eat when you're not hungry because you begin to eat on your spouse's schedule. You will begin to eat when they want to eat. And I, I'm just, I'm Christina shaking her head going, yep, that's what happened. Uh, when, when I, we married, I ate once a day. She eats 15 times a day. I was cheap when we got married. If she bought it, didn't finish it, I was going to finish it because there's no way I'm paying for that and that's not going to be eaten. Can I get an amen for that? 
And so it had a negative effect on my life in that sense. But the reality is this, that you start eating on a schedule that your body's not asking for because you're eating on someone else's schedule. And then, watch this, it shows us that you're eating things that you're not craving, that you're not eating what your body says it needs. There's a reason we're going through this. You're not eating what your body says it needs. You're eating what your spouse is craving. So you gain weight because you begin to eat on a different schedule than what you feel like you need, and you begin to eat different things than you've been accustomed to eating. Now keep that, just side note that in the back of your head, and we're going to come back around. Let's go back to this passage. In this passage, what we see here is this, that it says that the yoke of bondage will be broken off of you because of the anointing oil. So what we see is very important that there is going to be a breaking off of your life of the things that have held you back. That something is going to occur in your life that is going to cause you, watch this, to be released from whatever has held you your whole life. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a shift. Something's going to occur. What occurs? Well, the scripture is very plain. It says this is going to happen because there we have now we have the, the, it's going to tell me what the cause is because of the anointing oil. Because of the anointing oil, there's going to be a breaking in my life that's going to bring a change. Now listen to me. Before you go home and start covering yourself in essential oils, let me point out that it is not normal oil. All right. Anywhere in Scripture that you see oil being poured in and bringing about a change, it always represents the power of the Holy Spirit. When oil is poured in, it always represents who? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to get there. We're all there. It always represents who? The Holy Spirit. It always represents the Holy Spirit. So here's what the verse says, that there's going to be a breaking in your life because there's going to be an impact filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life, something's going to begin to change inside of who you are. So it could be said that whatever you have been carrying around, whatever struggles, whatever sins, whatever cares that you have been carrying around and have weighted you down in your life, that that is going to break off of you when you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? So what happens when the Holy Spirit starts working in your life? What is the change that the Holy Spirit is going to bring into your life? Well, I think that the NIV translation of this scripture probably translates it the best. So let's read it in the NIV translation of the scripture. It says, in that day, their burden will be lifted from your shoulders. Watch this. Because their yoke from your neck, the yoke will be broken because you have grown so... Hallelujah. That, that you are going to be released from a bondage because of how fat you have become. Now, before you start using that as an excuse, I know what some of you are going to say. You're going to look and people are going to say, do you think you need to lose a little weight? And you're going to say, no, I'm just growing in Jesus. Come on now, amen. But before you start using this as an excuse, I need you to understand wherever you see oil, it represents the Holy Spirit. And in Scripture, when I misquote that and I say that the righteous shall be fat, what it's really saying is this, that the righteous shall grow in favor, that they're going to go through a growth process that's going to increase their capacity. 
I need you with me on this. Because of the growth process that's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, changes are going to begin to happen inside of who you are. And when the Holy Spirit begins to move in your life, so why are we singing the songs that we're singing on Sunday morning? So we can feel a little goosebumps? No. So we can engage the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we engage the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word then opens up to us. And as the Word begins to open up in our lives, what happens? We start growing. Our capacity increases. And as our capacity increases, watch this now, we will outgrow the current limitations of our lives. See, some of you lived in bondage that held you down and held you back and it started screaming when you started going to God's house. Why? Because it understood when the Holy Spirit starts moving in your life and you start reacting to the Holy Spirit, what held you down suddenly breaks off of you because your capacity increases beyond that level. I, I just feel that I'm just stepping off for just a moment on this. In the first service today, I watched a woman who was in an abusive situation. And as I was preaching this about getting free from your sin, I was praying as I was preaching that God let her outgrow that abuse. God let her outgrow that abuse. In the second service, so I sat there looking at our waypoint men, and as I was preaching, I was just imagining some of them used to have needles sticking out of their arms and things that, you know, uh, uh, that they were putting in their body that had no business going in their body. And I was praying while I was preaching, God, let the Holy Spirit of God that is now in them because they're born again children of the living God, let it cause them to outgrow so they can't go back. Are you with me? Some of you have been trying to say, Pastor, I don't know how to grow. I'm trying to tell you how to grow. Throw up your hands and say, God, make me fat. Oh, let me rephrase that. Some of you are just not going to pray that. Throw up your hands and say, more of you, more of you. And as more of the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will grow. You're going to grow. You see, God's favor is going to propel you beyond that bondage, beyond that sin, because it's going to become too small for you. As you grow for Jesus, you're going to look back at that place that once held you captive, and you're going to be shocked and even repulsed by it. You're going to look at it and you're going to say, I can't believe I believed that lie. You're going to look at it and you're going to think, what in me made me think that was acceptable? All of us fall into sin. I don't know why God gave me the dream that he gave me this morning, but I've shared it now in all three services. I'm going to share it in this one right now. I don't know why. I just want you to know we all struggle. We all go through battles. We all go through things. There's a verse I do not like right now in my life. The verse says, your young men shall see visions. And your... <laughs> Watch out, honey. Your old men shall dream dreams. I've been going, God, show me a vision. Come on now, amen. <laughs> but he's been giving me dreams. I'm like, Lord, uh, your word. <laughs> I'm not old. Thank you for not saying amen there. <laughs> really made me feel good. This morning, I woke up early with a fire in my soul. I saw a dream like I, I think I've never seen before. It was so realistic. I was sitting in a room with another man from this church. 
He's not even here. He's on the other side of the world right now. I was sitting in a room with him. And as I was sitting there, we both had on like a, just a, a white, uh, you know, like just undershirt, you know, full undershirt, but a white, just, just plain, nothing, no, no logo, nothing, just a white undershirt. And it looked like we had been, you know, like working in a, a greasy place or, or, or cooking and there's just stains all over. It was, it was stained. And I, I, we were just sitting there talking and all of a sudden Jesus walked into the room. And I, I, I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like that. Jesus walked into the room and it was, it amazed me because it was like all of a sudden he just went like this. And when he did, both of our shirts changed and they went from stained and dirty to pure and clean and white and fresh again. And, and, and I, I woke up this morning going, my goodness, that's what Jesus does for us. We are wearing something that's way too small for us and it's holding us cramped in and captive and it's, it's stained and no matter how we try to clean it up, you cannot get the stains out. But Jesus walks into your life and all of a sudden with just one move of his hand, he changes everything in your life and he makes you a new person. Person. And the Holy Spirit wants to grow you to the place that you come to a new place in Him because God's favor will increase you to increase your life to the point that sin's rags are too small for you. Ever so often I come out of the closet area and Christina looks at me and she says, Honey, you might better find another shirt. You know what the sign is to know that what you're trying to wear doesn't fit you anymore? When this button is screaming at this button going, hold on for all your life. Come on now. <laughs> it's probably not the right size for you anymore. You see, the problem is some of you are trying to consider going back to old ways and old darkness and old sin, but that's not who you are anymore. You are a blood-bought child of the living God who has the Holy Spirit of God working inside of you, and you've outgrown that. I'm going to read you one of the most powerful passages of Scripture. I know you're going to love this passage of Scripture. Get ready. Isaiah chapter 10, verse number 28. We're going to start there. We're going to read through verse 22. This is powerful. Put your seatbelts on. Hold on. Don't shout me down. Let me finish here. Here we go. So we've just started in verse 26. It says, the anointing oil will break the bondage off of your life. And then he says this. Are you ready for these powerful truths? He has come to Aeth. He has passed Migron. Nobody's feeling it? At Micmash, he has attended to his equipment. Not going like I thought. They have gone along the ridge and they have taken up losing at Geba. Woo! Not one amen anywhere. Ramah is afraid. Gibeah of Saul has fled. Lift up your voice, O daughter of Galim. Wow. Cause it to be heard as far as Laish. O poor Anath. Just, if you can't shout about anything else, shout, you're not the one having to say these words. <laughs> Madmina has fled. Glory. The inhabitants of Gabim seek refuge. As yet he will remain at Nob that day. 
and he will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion and the hill of Jerusalem. Glory to God. Oh, you're not getting this. Let me just break this passage down for you. Let's go back to those cities. Because what I want you to see is that these specific regions show us exactly what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life when he starts moving in. Watch this. He has come to Aeth, which means heap of ruins. He's going to find, and also is interpreted the feeding on of the flesh, the feeding of flesh. He comes to Migron, the threshing floor, because God's going to take his children through the threshing floor by the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes to Michmash, the hidden areas that God's going to go after the hidden sins of your lives. He comes to Gibeah, the the uphill, a picture of constantly, someone who's constantly fighting everybody and everything. He comes to Ramah, which is high places or arrogant attitudes. He goes to Galim, which means heaps and springs that represent an attitude that says, I don't need you or anybody else. He comes to like East, which rep- which means lion that represents areas of your life that powers of darkness want to destroy you, the demonic strongholds of the enemy, for we fight against a, uh, an enemy that is a roaring lion looking around for whom he might devour. He comes to Anath, which means answered prayers. He goes to Madmina, which means a dung heap. He goes to Gabim, which means pits. He comes to Nob, which means a higher place. It's where he ends up. Now, you're still not there with me. What was the first word that we were looking for was I eat the feeding of the flesh, that that place that was a place of ruin because you've eaten, destroyed your flesh. Listen to me now. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and finds us living and following every craving of our flesh. He will take us to God's migron, to his threshing floor. Stay with me now. He will take us to God's threshing floor because why? Threshing floors are where you separate what is valuable from what is waste. At his threshing floor, God will expose the mikmash, the hidden sins of our lives. The Holy Spirit's not just coming into your life so you can feel goosebumps. The Holy Spirit's coming into your life so you can be equipped with the power to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The Holy Spirit wants to change your life. Your problem is you have religion. What you need is relationship with the power of the living God. For whence he has come upon you, you shall be endued with power in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to deal with your hidden sins, the things you think everybody has has missed. God doesn't miss. He wants to reveal the fuel that keeps you in a constant fight uphill, that fear, that shame, that pain, that regret, that bitterness. God wants to move into your life because it stifles you and it causes you to stay small and weak and weary. But when the Holy Ghost moves in your life, he says, I'll deal with that. And as he starts setting you free, what happens? You begin to grow. And as you grow, you outgrow what held you back. Am I making sense to anybody today? Come on now. He will unmask your arrogant attitudes. He will point out your independent rebellion. He will unmask the powers of darkness, the demonic strongholds. Somebody says, I don't have any demonic strongholds. Let me tell you how to find them. Step up for Jesus and every demon in hell will try to push you back. But greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Come on. 
With every victory over these areas, the Holy Spirit moves in. When I start dealing with my hidden sin, when I deal with my rebellion, my arrogant attitudes, the powers of darkness that I've given place to in my life, with every area, the Holy Spirit begins to increase my level of satisfaction, and I start growing healthier and stronger. And before long, we have a couple more cities that we're supposed to get get to. I end up in a knot, and I realize that when I call upon the Lord, He's not just bouncing it off the roof, but God answers my prayer. And then I realize that when I realize what God has done, I look back on yesterday and it's just a dung heap of ruins that I'll never want to go back to. Why? Because God brought me out and I'm not going back because he set me free. And I also learned to watch out for the gabim of my life, the pits. Most of us end up running and jumping into the temptations. The enemy digs a hole to get you to fall in. Instead of looking at it, toying with it, you're going to say, danger, danger. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there because I don't fit there anymore. Oh, I'm almost done. And then we end up in Nob, which is a higher level than I've ever lived at before. That when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, He will break the bondage off of your life with His own anointing that will cause you to rise up and He will deal with what's keeping you weak and He will deal with what's been destroying you and He will empower you to live on places that you never dreamed you could live in. Why? Because we've grown because we've let the Holy Spirit into our lives. Let me close with this today. Remember that little side note that we took? We gain weight most often after we marry. I know that balances and there's different metabolism rates and those kind of things, but we're talking on average. What I want to talk to you about just briefly is the relationship between Christ and His church that's described as marriage. Christ is the groom and we are the bride. When we are united with Christ, there is a comfort that settles into our lives and we begin to grow healthier. But what was the main reason you grow? It's because you start eating on the one you're in relationship with. You start eating on their schedule. And you start eating what they crave instead of what you crave. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life? You stop eating the junk that's keeping you weak. And you begin to crave the presence of God. See, some of you have this image that that God's all about fasting. You've missed it. I heard everybody's feelings when I do this one particular lecture in our Bible school class because I always say these words, I believe Jesus was chubby. I mean, it's it's true. Think about it. Come here, Christian. Come here. That's my nephew with same genetic lines. One of us just got better genes than the other one. Well, look at Christian and look at me. Now, the Bible says they kept calling Jesus this one name all throughout the New Testament. Remember what it was? Called him a glutton. 
You're not going to walk up to Christian and call him a glutton. You're going to feel foolish calling him a glutton, even though this boy can eat me slap under the table. Twice over. Come on now. You're going to walk up to somebody who's got a little size to their life and go, that glutton. I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I smell a burger and gain 12 pounds. Come on, amen. But the reality is, Jesus didn't come to starve himself. Thank you. Jesus came and he feasted with them. Oh, well, Pastor Don, you, no, 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 no. He said, my cup runneth over. And surely he prepares a feasting table. Is how one translation says, a feasting table for me in the presence of my enemies. It is not God's will for you to live on scraps under somebody's table. If you know that Old Testament story, it is God's will that you pull up to a seat of a child and the seat at his own table. Come on now. And you take whatever you want. You know, I preached a few weeks ago about my, my grandmother and her unique way of serving more than enough. But here's the one thing she told me time and time again. When I'd come into her house and she said, baby, are you hungry? I'd say, grandma, do I look like I'm hungry? And she said, no, baby, are you hungry? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not hungry. She said, well... If you're hungry and you don't go partake of what I have, it's going to break your grandmama's heart. To which I always replied, did you make a chocolate cake? <laughs> she said, baby, I knew you were coming. What I'm trying to tell you was the joy for the parent is in satisfying the child. And when he knows you're hungry, he will provide even what you long for. What you need is a touch of the Holy Spirit. Should you bow your heads right where you are? Don't even stand. Just bow your heads right where you are. You see, sometimes the devil wants to pull you back and reel you back to yesterday's problems and sins, but you don't fit there anymore because that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are. You've outgrown that because God has changed your life. But some of you would say to me today, Pastor, I need more of the Holy Spirit because I've been trying to fit into yesterday's mold and I'm not going back. I'm going to repent of the sins that I've let into my life. I'm going to repent of the things that I, I've let chase me down. And you're going, to, you're, going, you're, going to, you're going to say, Pastor, I am ready for more of the Holy Spirit to empower me so that I can outgrow the things that are trying to destroy me. If that's you, right where you're seated, I want to see your hands right where you are. Get them up. Hold them up high. Don't let them put them down. Hold them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. Yeah. God's speaking to us. Put those hands down now. Now, see, here's the thing. Some of you, you're ready. You're ready for that, but you, you've not done the most important thing of all, and that's invite the Holy Spirit into your life. And the way that you're going to do that, the way that you're going to invite the Holy Spirit into your life, and I feel God right now. I feel a kingdom connection right now. 
The way you're going to invite the Holy Spirit in your life is you got to understand that this is what the Word said. This is for you, your children. The book of Acts, chapter 2. This is for you, your children, for all who are far off in Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit belongs to anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. It's yours. But you got to begin by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you have come in here today and you... You're still wearing the wrong clothes. You're, you're, you're wearing stuff that's trying to hold you back and hold you down. You're bound in grief and pain and, and disrespect and shame and sin. And you're, you've never really given your life to Jesus. This is it. I didn't embarrass anybody else to raise their hand. I'm not to embarrass you. We're going to raise our hands in a moment. Then we're all going to stand and we're going to pray. But right now, this is it. Some of you are ready to outgrow the sin that's held you your whole life. And you would say with me today, Pastor, I have never given my life to Jesus Christ, or I prayed a prayer, but I have never surrendered and made him Lord of my life. And I want to re, re, uh, realign, re, recommit my life to Christ today. But today's the day you're tired of sin keeping you small and puny in your life, and you're ready to grow in the favor and blessings of God. You're ready to make Christ your Savior. If that's you, nobody looking around, everybody praying. I'm not going to embarrass you, didn't embarrass anybody else to raise their hand, but I want to see your hand if that's you. Get it up now, quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you? Where I'm waiting on a couple more. Thank you. Where are you? Waiting on a couple more. Today's your day. This is your moment. This is your time. This is it. God's changing lives right here, right now. Thank you. God was waiting on you. God was waiting on you. Hallelujah. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.